We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, is Justin Mello. The Super Bowl matchup is set. We are going to talk about some lessons we can learn from the rosters that have made it to the the big game, some roster construction lessons to take away. We're going to run through the coaching hiring updates around the league. Titans still have not hired an offensive coordinator. There are reports out there about who they're interested in, and uh, some teams have made moves there, so we'll do a quick update on that. And then we're going to run through some senior bowl prospects to watch as practice gets underway this week with the game coming up this weekend. Also, some exciting news for one particular Titan. We're going to get into all of it. Justin, how's it going? Doing well. Really excited to jump into this. I got, uh, obviously, always have a lot to say about the senior bowl. I'm so excited. Um, for that to be going on this week. Titans will be rolling heavy. We've got reports that, of course, Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon are going to be there together, um, and, you know, analyzing these prospects as they, uh, you know, really start putting together their draft board now that there's a new general manager uh, in town. And, and these coaching hires, I, I've got quite a bit to say regarding these coaching hires as well. And some guys that may or may not have been fits for the Titans off the board and what this means um, for the Titans search rank. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's start with the Super Bowl. It will be the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in Glendale, Arizona. I'll be there. That'll be fun covering it for around the NFL. So maybe we'll get some fun. Uh, Maybe I'll tell some stories from the Super Bowl game on our next, well, I guess two pods from now because there's a little two-week break here. But let's talk about it. The Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, I feel like their rosters are not very similar almost at all. They're pretty different uh, ways to build a winner in this league. But they do have one thing in common. They were both the number one seed. They didn't have to play a wild card playoff game. And I do think that matters a lot because if you look at how this playoff bracket shook out, Philadelphia managed to play a, a New York Giants team that was not in the elite class of the NFL. And then they got to take on a San Francisco 49ers team that was extremely banged up almost right after the game started. And I know the Chiefs were also banged up and they, you know, made it work because they have uh, the best quarterback in the league. (laughs) But the Eagles didn't necessarily have to play anyone at their best, I would say, in this playoff run. They got to the Super Bowl in a dominating fashion. You know, they blew out the Giants and then they blew out the, the Niners backup quarterback and then. Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball when he came back into the game, so it was not really much of a contest there. But the top lesson that I'm taking away from the Eagles, it's not even roster construction. It's something that I talked about last year when the Titans were bounced in the first round of the playoffs. So much about who gets to the Super Bowl is luck. And the Eagles have had injury and health luck go their way and go the opposite way for their opponents. So when the Titans got bounced in the first round as the number one overall seed, everyone was like, oh, this season is a failure. We didn't live up to expectations. It was, you know, AFC championship or Super Bowl or bust. And it's just hard to have those kinds of expectations going into a season because Niners fans, if you look at it, 2019, they went to the Super Bowl. Last year, they went to the NFC championship. This year, they went to the NFC championship. They lost all those games because things didn't really break their way. Like you have to be a little bit lucky. And sometimes that's what it takes in a league where, you know, it's a game of small margins. 
Yeah, I do think there's a lot of luck involved, certainly. And I think both of these teams have gotten some lucky breaks. You mentioned, of course, the Eagles. I, I think you covered it well there with uh, you know, some of the opponents they've, they've been able to run into. And then injury-wise, they've been largely healthy. Although Jalen Hurts dealt with a shoulder issue towards the end of the year that was borderline scary. But see, you know, but they also had the luxury of resting him, I think, for those final uh, the, uh, the f- second last game of the year. I, I believe he returned for Week 18 as they actually hadn't wrapped up the number one seed. Uh, and home field advantage due to the Dallas Cowboys posing a threat to still win the division. But I do think they've had a lot of things go their way. Uh, the Chiefs obviously had a couple calls, I-, I-, I thought, go their way against the Bengals. Certainly some controversial moments from the referees in that one. But overall, I, I do want to focus on roster construction here because I love what you said. There aren't a lot of similarities between the two, and I agree with that. And I think that shows you there- there's multiple ways to skin a cat. And uh, I, I really do think the way these, these teams have built their roster is very, very interesting. Yeah, so let's start with the Chiefs because I think that's maybe a little simpler to break down just because Patrick Mahomes is so good that he can cover up weaknesses. And we talked about this on the last few episodes, but when you have that elite quarterback, it doesn't matter necessarily where some of your weaknesses are because you can cover up for that. But that's not to take away from what the Chiefs are as a team because what they were able to do in this past year's draft and how those players were able to make key plays in the victory on Sunday is something to be noted. The, the secondary, they had what four rookie players in the secondary that all made big contributions. That last interception of Joe Burrow was one rookie tipping it in the air to another. And some of these guys struggled early in the year. Trent McDuffie was not, you know, looking like a first round pick necessarily at the beginning of the season, but he improved as the year went on and he's now playing at a high level. And for the Chiefs to be able to survive losing Legarius Sneed and Kadarius Tony and all the injuries, the the wide receiver injuries that they suffered, Mikel Hardman, all the guys that, that got knocked out of that game. It speaks to having a deep roster, and that's the other side of the injury luck there, is that if you have a deep roster, if you have guys that can step in for your starters when they go down, because injuries are going to happen in the NFL, that is a huge thing. And I think that's something the Titans have lacked, especially, you know, at key positions like offensive line and secondary over the past few years, wide receiver for the past few years, the, the Chiefs were throwing guys onto the field that had played, you know, like 10 snaps all season, and they're making big catches in the AFC Championship game. I think having that kind of roster depth, it may sound obvious, but, you know, it's not necessarily always the thing you talk about. We talk about like stars and some some rosters are made like more stars and scrubs because of the way the salary cap happens. But when you can reload the back end of your roster with successful draft picks, that is so huge for being able to, to maintain a high level of play when guys get hurt. And I think that is an area where the Titans have really been lacking in the past few seasons. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned it because, look, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. He could go down as the best quarterback of all time, in my opinion, but but when he's all said and done. I know it's tough to surpass Brady, but I do think Patrick Mahomes really is that good. But at the same Wait, time, that can on make- that point, yeah. I want to say something. I saw an interesting tweet. Uh, I can't remember who, who tweeted this, but to that point, Tom Brady is the best winner of all time. Patrick Mahomes might be the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Yeah, I think there's no question that he's a more talented uh, uh, quarterback than Tom Brady's, especially from an athletic perspective, right? Where Brady often won from the neck up, right? Whereas what Patrick Mahomes can do physically is, is truly unbelievable and almost unprecedented. But his presence can almost make the analysis lazy. Look, you and I, we're not going to sit here and say, 
we're not going to take away from Patrick Mahomes. He's the reason the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. They've been the five straight AFC championship games. It, it is largely Patrick Mahomes, of course. And look, if you can draft a Patrick Mahomes, the Titans should do that, right? Not a bad idea if you can draft your own Patrick Mahomes. Might be something they want to consider this offseason. But I don't want to take away from what general manager Brett Veach has done over these, not only this draft, but I'm going to talk about last year's draft as well. But to build on what you said from this one, you had Trent McDuffie yesterday on Sunday, a first round cornerback, have that insanely important tipped pass that just slightly changed the trajectory of the ball. T Higgins couldn't haul in that like third and 16 or whatever it was. You had Brian Cook, a safety out of Cincinnati, um, a tip a ball that ended up being intercepted. Now I can't remember if it was Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson that intercepted that one. But the point is both Williams and Watson had interceptions in this game. Jalen Watson was a seventh round selection. Joshua Williams was a fourth round selection. Four members of the secondary, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a, a seventh-round pick, all made huge play. And look, they knew they had to restock that cupboard a little bit. They lost Traverius Ward, an unrestricted free agency. Another, by the way, former UDFA gem that they landed. who signs a big contract with the 49ers. They knew they had to retool that secondary a little bit. Some of the guys were underperforming uh, at safety. But they went out. They got four draft picks. They went four for four on all of them. And it's not just them. Look at Isaiah Pacheco, a, a sixth or seventh round running back, and what he's doing for them. And uh, uh, George Karloftis, right, has been applying pressures and starting and the sack production is starting to increase as the year uh, has gone on but it's not just this year everyone's focusing on this rookie class right now and I get that because it's the current class but do you remember when they lost the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Patrick Mahomes was hit and sacked a billion times they went into that offseason almost unprecedented you want to talk about how the Tennessee Titans can do it five new starting offensive linemen the following year five new and guess what Creed Humphrey is playing out of his mind not a first-round pick. Trey Smith is playing out of his mind at guard. A, I believe a sixth-round pick out of the University of Tennessee. Friend of the show, Blake Tucker, likes to remind uh, everyone every uh, three minutes the Titans should have drafted Trey Smith. And you're not wrong, Blake, if you listen to the show, because look, look at the way Trey Smith is playing. He's unbelievable. Talk about the Titans having to retool their interior. What kind of draft capital do they have to spend? Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith were not first-round picks. Different ways to do it. They traded for a left tackle. Right when they decided they needed a new one, Orlando Brown gave up a lot to get him. I get it, but the point is there are different ways to acquire these pieces. Pa yes, it's Patrick Mahomes, but you look at the way they've retooled their offensive line and defensive backrooms in back-to-back -back drafts. Really, for the most part, it was it was drafting. It wasn't free agency and trading. It's 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 unbelievable, and that is the backbone of this team. It's how Brett Veach has been able to maintain this roster while paying Patrick Mahomes fifty million dollars a year. Now, Mahomes' right. deal, to, to my knowledge, and I'm not the best salary cap guy, but they, they're able to sort of retool it as time goes on. They're able to find money, right? He's not, it's not always eating up 50, 60, $70 million in cap space every year. He did, uh, Josh Allen signed a similar deal in Buffalo, that I know for a fact, where they are able to work some magic around the salary cap due to the structure of the deal. But the point is they, they still have a $50 million a year quarterback. And when you have one of those guys, even though you are afforded, you know, a, uh, a way to get creative with the deal, you it adds an emphasis to have success in the draft, right? And to find these low-cost contributors. And Brett Veach has done that at an unbelievable level. 
Yeah, and and just like talking about how the Chiefs win with Patrick Mahomes, I saw something last night that said Patrick Mahomes led a field goal drive in the final thirty seconds to to win the, to advance to the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, maybe, but also Sky Moore had a huge punt return that set them up twenty yards shy of field goal range, another and then Joseph Osai. Another draft pick from this class. And then Joseph Osai commits a penalty um, as Mahomes is running out of bounds that puts them, you know, in a 45-yard field goal territory as opposed to a 60-yard field goal. Hook him. I'm wearing a Texas sweatshirt right now as I talk about this. Poor Joseph Osai. Just out there trying to make a play, hustled a little too hard and, and should have pulled up before knocking Mahomes down out of bounds. But, I mean, Mahomes, it was a great scramble, a gutsy play with on the hurt ankle. But it's not like he was out there being the greatest quarterback we've ever seen to lead that final drive. It's a true team effort there. Special teams getting in on the action, Huge. defense stopping the Bengals with their two-minute drive chance to go down, and they could have gone and won the game, right, like they did last year. So it's interesting how much, like, Mahomes gets the credit, but as we've just discussed, like, there's a lot more that goes into it than just having the greatest quarterback. And where Mahomes helps, I think, obviously, is as soon as that punt return happened, I said – Chiefs won this football game. There's no way Mahomes, and I, I know it was, you know, no one could have predicted what happened at the end there with the penalty, but you just felt like there's no way Mahomes ain't picking up 15, 20 yards here and getting them in the range they need to get in uh, to make a field goal. But credit to Brett Veach and how he's built that roster. I want to shift gears. It's not a Kansas City Chiefs podcast. It's not a Philadelphia Eagles podcast, but I do want to talk about how they've built that roster because you said it to start the show. It's very different. And I immediately I wanted to make those points because, uh, they've sort of benefiting from the opposite where you've got a, a quarterback on a rookie contract um, and right. they've been able to take advantage of that. Jalen Hurts, first thing I'll say about this, and I'll, I'll directly relate it to the Titans, this, the landscape of today's NFL has never made me more willing to invest in the development of a quarterback. You look at, everyone talks about Josh Allen and Buffalo. You also got to talk about what Jalen Hurts has done. Uh, even Justin Herbert with the Chargers, who who certainly was not viewed as a can't-miss prospect, right, coming out in that class. But you look at what J Daniel Jones this year. I could go on and on. Daniel Jones uh, showed a great development with good coaching, taking the Giants to the postseason. But what Jalen Hurts uh, did this year for the Philadelphia Eagles, a worthy MVP candidate, a second-round pick, who, by the way, people like to ignore now, entered this season, in my opinion, on the hot seat. Before this year kicked off, there were no guarantees that Jalen Hurts would return to the Philadelphia Eagles as their 2023 starting quarterback. In fact, remember that weird trade they made with the Saints a year ago where they they had an extra first-round pick last year? They traded it for a first-round pick in 2023. First of all, boy, did that benefit them because the Saints end up crashing and burning. I think they gained like 10 spots in the draft just by swapping 2022 for 2023. A lot of people were convinced that they did that at the time to load up on 2023 draft ammo in case they, they needed to come up and make a, a selection at quarterback if they yep. didn't play well this season. What happened? But they invested in his development, right? They've got coaches that built an offense to his skill set. Head coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator uh, uh, Shane Steichen. And you look at the way they've built around him, and uh, it, it's an interesting lesson for the Titans. Number one, maybe you feel comfortable uh, getting a Will Levis or a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young or even an Anthony Richardson, or or maybe you're comfortable getting one in the second round, like you know where Jalen Hurts was drafted, right? So a lot of lessons to be learned by the development of Jalen Hurts, both from a front office perspective and a coaching perspective. And I want to shift this to give credit to Howie Roseman, because what did he do? We talked about how the Chiefs, you know, 
sometimes you're you're strapped for cash when you've got the expensive quarterback. Howie Roseman is on the opposite end of the spectrum. You have cash when you've got a, a quarterback, not only on a cost-controlled rookie deal, but a second-round pick at that. They went out and they were extremely aggressive, right? Talk about trading for A.J. Brown, right, from the Tennessee Titans. Talk about trading for Chancey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, from the New Orleans Saints, right, who I think led the league in picks this year. I think it was a three-way tie, but he had six or seven interceptions. And then what happens? Mid-season, you've got a couple injuries at defensive tackle. Well, you know what? Let's go get Kung Su and Linval Joseph, right? Or in the offseason when they decided they needed another corner and their uh, Division East rivals cut James Bradbury, New York Giants, they signed James Bradbury, right? Like they, Howie Roseman took advantage of that deal. He had a coaching staff that built around the quarterback, invested in the development, and he said, I'll take care of the rest by investing in the rest of this roster by being super aggressive. Lots of different ways to build an NFL football team. You're seeing two very contrasting examples playing in the Super Bowl, and uh, the Titans at some point have an opportunity to travel down one path or the other. Yeah, I mean, if you can get that elite quarterback, that's that's obviously the, the ideal way to go. That's not, you know, that's easier said than done. I think it's really interesting how both teams got here. When you look at their offseason moves, as the Chiefs trade away their wide receiver one, one of the best guys in the league, Tyreek Hill, and you know people wondered if that would affect their offense. Well, they were able to obviously be pretty effective on offense. Meanwhile, the Eagles trade for A.J. Brown to pair him with Devonta Smith, who made an incredible catch that maybe wasn't really a catch on an early fourth down in this uh, NFC Championship game. And the fact that they have like such potent weapons on the outside, whereas the Chiefs rely on Mahomes making their weapons good, plus obviously having the best tight end in the league helps a lot too with Travis Kelsey there. But yeah, I think another point on the Eagles is, and the Chiefs, this goes to the Chiefs too, you mentioned how they rebuilt their offensive line, but they both have pretty dang good trench play. And we, we hear it all the time, like the game is won in the trenches. Well, you talked about the Eagles signing, you know, two defensive linemen when Jordan Davis was hurt and when they were dealing with, you know, run stuffing issues. And their defensive line, not only did they sign those two guys, but it was already a deep rotational line that guys cycle in and out of the lineup and a lot of guys can make plays for them. Plus, they these two teams have two of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So another area the Titans struggled, you know, this past season, the offensive line. But like you said, it can be rebuilt in one year if you hit on some picks, if you make some some smart signings. The Chiefs also made a trade for Orlando Brown, if you remember. So there there is ways to do it. And I think, you know, there's the big the big reason that Rand Carthon was brought in here was to, to build one of these rosters because the Niners are right there in terms of roster talent with these two teams. They just, you know, had the unfortunate injuries on Sunday that co- sort of ended their their hopes this year. Um, anything else about these rosters you want to get before we move on? No, the last point I want to add, and I don't want to completely ignore it, is I talked about being willing to invest in the development of a quarterback. I do think the Titans saw that path and, and tried to take it by drafting Malik Willis, right? They saw a raw quarterback up in college and drafted him and said, let's work with this guy and develop him. Obviously, the, the first year results on Malik Willis were not good, right? There, there's no sugarcoating that. But I do think the Titans at least acknowledged um, you know, that possibility and those capabilities and, and try to, can we find a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen or even, uh, call me crazy, I'll say Daniel Jones again. I thought he played good football this year. Um, so I do think the Titans are obviously aware of that um, and, and try yeah. to, to take that path. But I do want to shift this conversation to some coaching news around the league and, and more important, importantly, how it may directly relate to the Tennessee Titans' search um, for their next offensive coordinator. 
Yep. So the New York Jets have made their offensive coordinator hire Nathaniel Hackett. Pretty interesting. Um, the guy who was fired from the New York Jets, Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, was hired by the Los Angeles Rams. So that's two coordinators off the board and two openings filled. That obviously would have been competition for whoever the Titans wanted. Now, the Titans weren't linked to either of these guys. So we don't like I don't think that taking an option the Titans wanted off the board happened. It just there's less positions to fill. In addition to that, the Cowboys fired Kellen Moore or whatever parted ways with Kellen Moore. And he immediately landed in uh, in Los Angeles also with the Chargers. So he'll coach Justin Herbert. Now that's a candidate. I don't know if the Titans were interested in or not. There wasn't really time for anyone to find out <laughs> no, if the Titans really were interested wasn't. because <laughs> he was hired like 24 hours after he was let go or maybe less than 24 hours after he was let go. Um so that's three offensive coordinator openings filled, three candidates off the board. The Panthers also hired Frank Reich to be their head coach. So if anyone had hopes of him coming in as an offensive coordinator, those hopes are likely dashed. Am I missing any filled openings? Uh, D'Amico Ryans hasn't officially been named the, the head coach of the Texans, but it's looking like that will be where that goes. Um, is that is that all the filling so far? That's all the filling so far, and it's funny. I, I didn't even I didn't have to interrupt you because I want to talk about all five of those to a varying degree. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, you correct in terms of Nathaniel Hackett with the Jets and uh, Mike Lafleur um, to the Los Angeles Rams. Where I find those two hires at least interesting, and 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 can mention the Titans is that they both run zone based offenses, right? That the Titans obviously have been running for a long time. First of all, Nathaniel Hackett. Before, uh, you know, flaming out as a Denver Broncos head coach midseason, he was the offensive coordinator with the Green Bay Packers for three years. So working under, of course, Matt LaFleur, who was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans and installed the offense that the Titans are essentially still running um, today. So that's interesting because you, you, you could have thought potentially the Titans could have looked there. And obviously now he goes to the Jets where he's going to work for Robert Sala, who uh, worked with Rand Carthon in San Francisco and although Salah's a defensive-minded coach, obviously saw that offense in action um, for the 49ers. And then LaFleur, sort of the same deal. He's Matt LaFleur's brother, so he's familiar with, he ran this offense in New York with the Jets and now he's going to run this, uh, help run the same offense in Los Angeles with Sean McVay. So both of those guys, although they weren't, uh, we don't know that they were public candidates for the Titans, were potentially a fit to come here and run the offense the Titans have been running. Um, with Kellen Moore, not a whole lot to say about that. Literally unemployed for less than 24 hours. Don't blame him for quickly pouncing on the Chargers opening. I imagine that conversation went something like, uh, hey, uh, Kellen, it's Brendan Staley. Do you want to coach Justin Hurt? And Kellen Moore said yes and hung up the phone and they drew up the contract and signed it because what an <laughs> easy fast track to becoming a head coach, right? If you go there and have success with Justin Herbert, I met Kellen Moore has been a finalist for head coaching gigs, two off seasons in a row. He hasn't gotten He was the finalist in Carolina, by the way, he hasn't been able to cross that finish line. Well, you know what? If you go and coordinate this offense in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert, I reckon he will be a head coach in 2024. Um, the, the openings, Frank Reich to Carolina, was never going to come here, I think, likely as Tennessee's yeah. offensive coordinator. Where this could be relevant to the Titans is it probably takes Carolina out of the running to land a coordinator the Titans might be interested in because Frank Reich is an offensive-minded leader, an offensive-minded coach that will likely call his own plays in Carolina. And if he doesn't, he's likely going to hire an offensive coordinator that already worked with him in Indianapolis. Like they had fired Marcus Brady, I think, midseason. So I, th I would assume he's potentially a decent candidate to follow him to Carolina. 
D'Amico Ryans to the Houston Texans. It's expected to be done any day now. It might be done by the time you listen to this podcast now that the 49ers are out of the postseason. This is, I think, somewhat relevant to the Titans because he's coming yeah. over from the 49ers, just like Rand Carthon did. And uh, he's a defensive-minded coach. So his offensive coordinator hire is going to be very important right, to the Houston Texans. And I imagine he'll land a pretty good one, in all honesty, because they have, first of all, he's a great ascending coach. Secondly, say what you will about the Texans. They've got the second overall pick in the draft. Whichever offensive coordinator is following him to Houston uh, will get a, a rookie quarterback to work with and mold, probably a very talented one like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud. So uh, with, with Ryan's likely being in Houston, he, he, he can go after one of those 49ers assistant coaches um, that are so impressive that you would think the Titans might have interest in. Uh, so lots of dominoes falling around the league. All remains quiet on the Titans' search for an offensive coordinator. I have a theory I want to get into, that, uh, probably a very uh, basic, obvious one. But before I get to that, I want to throw it back to you. Yeah, so no new reports came out about who the Titans might be interested in. No new interview requests. We really haven't had any new information on this front since our last taping, except for the other people who have been hired around the league. But we did get an in, a report out there that the Titans have a lot of interest in Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator. And then there was a separate report that said if Bieniemy doesn't land the Colts head coaching job, which... You know, who knows what Jim Irsay is going to do there, but it seems like he's all in on Jeff Saturday and everyone else who works in the building is all in on anyone but Jeff Saturday. So we'll see how the Colts situation shakes out. That could have a big impact on who the Titans hire, because if the enemy goes to Indianapolis, then they might have to move on to their second choice. But the other report was that the enemy would likely end up as an offensive coordinator on a team with a defensive minded head coach to help bolster his own head coaching resume go build an offense himself as opposed to running Andy Reid's offense. And the Titans were named in the report as one of three teams that that fit what he was looking for. So we've heard that the Titans are interested. We've heard that Biennemi is interested in the Titans. We'll see how that shakes out. Now the Titans obviously have to wait two weeks to make that hire if that is the direction they want to go because Biennemi's coaching in the Super Bowl. Um, and then there's still the reported interest in Matt Nagy out there as well. And uh, and Charles London is still out there. So, But those are the only three guys that we've actually heard about. Nothing new since the last taping. Todd Monken has had links to the, the Bucks offensive coordinator search. No report on him and, and the Tennessee Titans having any mutual interest, even if it wasn't leaking from the Titans side. You'd think that whoever's representing Todd Monken and reporting that he's interviewing for the Bucks would put it out there if he was interviewing with the Titans as well. So we have to assume that he's probably not or hasn't done so. Um I don't know what other options are out there. It's also interesting to note that Luke Steckel, the Titans' tight end coach, interviewed for the Chargers' offensive coordinator opening. Won't be taking that job, obviously, because Kellen Moore did. So he might remain as a potential in-house candidate, although I still think Tim Kelly would be the leader. And that's what was reported as well as, as the leading in-house candidate. But I'm still hoping the Titans go external. I'm all in on Eric Bieniemy if that's the direction they want to go. Um, Matt Nagy also would be a good you know, home run hire to me. Anyone that, that has worked in the Chiefs' system under Andy Reid and had success calling plays for them as both of these men have done so I think would be good hires but we don't even know like are they the only candidates are they the top candidates along with Charles London or is there other guys out there that we just haven't heard about yeah, a couple points I want to make. First off, I feel if the Titans were going to hire, and I, I could look stupid in, in a few days' time, but I feel like if the Titans were going to hire Charles London or Tim Kelly, it would have happened already. Um, you know, the interview with Charles London reportedly happened like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Tim Kelly's on their staff. There's really no 
there was no waiting to interview Tim Kelly, and, and Mike Vrabel knows him very well. Secondly, I'm, I don't want to go back to D'Amico Ryans, but with San Francisco now out of the postseason and him going to the Houston Texans, I'm curious to see if any of those candidates emerge. I lean towards no, because they could have, like, Kansas City is still in the playoffs, and we heard about the interest in Biennemi and Nagy, right? So there's no reason we couldn't have heard of interest, for example, in Anthony Lynn who's the assistant head coach and running back coach there in San Francisco. Bobby Slowick, right, their offensive passing game coordinator. Clay Kubiak, an assistant quarterback coach, obviously, from the legendary um, Kubiak family. And certainly any other category, uh, candidates, excuse me, that could emerge from San Francisco, I think probably would have emerged already. Um, but I, I do think one of them probably ends up in Houston with D'Amico Ryans. I am convinced um, that this is going to be Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy as a Titans offensive coordinator. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how slow this search is seemingly moving, unless it is Bieniemy or Nagy, um, uh, who are now into the Super Bowl. So this thing could drag out a few more weeks. Um, I, I wonder if we get some news this week. Now that they're, they, you know, Super Bowl. Of course, you've got the bye week, so perhaps we could hear more about the Titans' reported interest in Nagy and Bieniemy. I don't know if they're allowed to interview for the offensive I know, you know, typically you're allowed to interview for a head coaching gig during this time, right? If you're a coordinator. So I imagine the same rules would be in place where they would be able to interview for the Titans offensive coordinator job this week, if they haven't already, right? If it, if it went unreported, but this thing is crawling at a snail's pace. And that really does lead me to believe that the next coordinator of the Tennessee Titans is going to be Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy. Yeah, and I think it's I think Bannemi is the the favorite there. As long as he doesn't become a head coach, he he will likely become the, the offensive coordinator of the Titans. Can I say that with any definitive? You know, I don't yeah, know. Bold. Go bold. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Eric Bannemi will be the next offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans <laughs> uh, two weeks from today. They'll they'll announce it. Um, no, I don't know if that's true, but we'll find out. I do think this is a great transition point for us to get into our beef of the week presented by the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden, the best beefs, the best brews, the best burgers and brats in Nashville. Check out the pharmacy, tell them the music city audible sent you. And I'll tell you why it's a smooth transition because my beef of the week is with the Bengals or the chiefs or anyone involved in the Bengals-Chiefs game that caused the Chiefs to win and the Bengals to lose because <laughs> I want the Titans to hire their dang offensive coordinator already. So my beef of the week is, I guess, with the whole Chiefs team for going out and winning that game with Joseph Osai for, for pushing uh, Patrick Mahomes when he was out of bounds, with Harrison Butker for making that field goal, with Joe Burrow for throwing two interceptions and failing to lead the two-minute game-winning drive. Um, that's my beef of the week because I just want the news to happen already. I'm like... It's just like getting me antsy and impatient waiting for, for the Titans to hire somebody at offensive coordinator. My beef of the week is with Kellen Moore for being so damn smart <laughs> and quickly taking the Chargers offensive coordinator job. I think it's so obviously a wise decision. You want to come coach Justin Herbert? Or you want to come coach whoever's going to be quarterbacking the Titans next year? Uh, I, I think when Kellen Moore became available on Sunday afternoon, evening, whatever it was, Titans fans started swarming my mentions, started swarming Twitter. Oh my God, Titans have to show interest in this guy. I wrote an article that published uh, Monday morning, at least it published around 6 a.m. Eastern, talking about should the Titans have interest in Kellen Moore. That article had a shelf life of less than 12 hours. I, I certainly did not expect Moore to take a job literally like 20 hours after being relieved of his duties in Dallas, mutual parting of the ways, call it whatever you'd like. I, I really would have liked to find out to have found out if the Titans were going to reach out to Kellen Moore to gauge his interest, set up an interview. My guess here is they never even had that opportunity. Kellen Moore ex ex immediately accepted the Chargers job. 
That's my beef of the week. I would have really liked to at least known if Vrabel considered him a candidate. We don't have that opportunity. Kellen Moore is really smart. He made a great decision for his career and the betterment of his family. And for that, he is the subject of my beef of the week. Nice. Love it. I, I thought about going with Kellen Moore, to be honest, too. But I thought the uh, the other one fit what I was feeling more. But I like your choice as well. Make sure you go to the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in East Nashville. Tell them the Music City Audible sent you. And with that, I think we should quickly announce that the Titans have a new pro bowler. Ben Jones yes. has been named as the replacement for Chief Center Creed Humphrey. So he will represent the AFC in the Pro Bowl, his first Pro Bowl in his 11-year career. I think he uh, more than deserves it. He, he deserves to have been named to a Pro Bowl at least at some point in his career. I don't know if this year was his best season, but he still was probably the Titans' best lineman this year. And, um, you know, leading the way for Derrick Henry. They probably should have gone the year that Henry ran for 2,000 yards, but whatever. We don't have to get into that right now. Um, so congratulations to Ben Jones. Happy for him. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I just uh, I essentially want to second your thoughts. Love Ben Jones. He's so deserving of this. It must feel so good. 11th year in the league, just completed. No, not a single Pro Bowl appearance. Not, not fair. One of the best centers in football. Certainly deserves to go to a Pro Bowl before this year. Throw all that out the window right now. Extremely thrilled for him. He had another great year. I looked at, you know, I, I had to complete a ballot for Pro Bowl voting this year over at the Draft Network. And looking at the AFC, uh, you know, centers and Pro Bowlers, Ben Jones, without a doubt, like a top three center in the AFC. You certainly put Creed Humphrey up there. Put Corey Lindsley with the Chargers up there. Maybe Mitch Morse with the Buffalo Bills. Certainly a top three center in, in the AFC. So happy for Ben Jones. He deserves this. He gets to join three of his Titans teammates at the Pro Bowl, right? Derrick Henry's there, Jeffrey Simmons, and Morgan Cox. Ryan Stonehouse should be there, but he's not. Yeah, what the heck? But four Titans in the right? Like He broke every <laughs> record, but somehow he's not there. It's ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> four Pro Bowlers for the Titans. Ben Jones, number four, was initially named an alternate. Couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, and with that, we will move on to the Senior Bowl. So the players have been arriving in Mobile, Alabama. They've been getting measured. We found out that one of the uh, Ohio State tackle prospects is the longest prospect in Senior Bowl history. Is that right? Uh, it's a- it, it might be football. It is, but it might even be football history. And all. <laughs> I can't say that. Like last year, I remember the Utah tackle. Uh, it was, I uh, believe, from the UK. Bam Olaseni, I believe, was his name. Um, he's a bit of an older prospect, though. I think he went undrafted or he got maybe in the seventh round. But he was the longest, I think, in NFL history. He had a wingspan of 88 point something inches. And Dewan Jones, right tie from Ohio State, clocked in over 89 inches for wingspan. Wow. So it's the longest in senior bowl history. It might honestly be the longest in football history. The interesting thing is the Titans already drafted a right tackle out of Ohio State. And you would yeah. presumably think that he's better than Dewan Jones because he played ahead of him. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily matters or is true. But regardless, Senior Bowl underway, and we're going to toss it to our draft expert now. And by we, I mean I'm going to toss it to our draft expert now, which is you, Justin. So um, tell us maybe some Senior Bowl prospects to watch. Let's go by position here. Obviously, everyone uh, in Titans fandom is wondering if the Titans can rebuild their offensive line. So while we're on the subject already of offensive linemen, are there any other guys the Titans fans should be looking out for? 
Yeah, it's funny you said that about drafting uh, Nicholas Petit for Yara, because in all honesty, if the Titans hadn't drafted NPF, and if they were a little lower, I think 11's a little high for Dewan Jones uh, out of Ohio State, but I would have penciled this, skin, this guy in as a Tennessee Titan if they if they hadn't drafted <laughs> NPF. Cause, and, and Titans fans are going to cringe when I say this, but keep in mind, I'm talking the player, not the person. Dewan Jones reminds me a little of Isaiah Wilson in the sense where he's a three a, a, a six foot eight. 360 pound easy mover at right tackle that fits what the Titans want from a right tackle. It fits their run first identity, that toughness, aggression, tenacity. This guy streams Tennessee Titan to me, but I don't think he's a left tackle. So I I don't Mm. see the Titans drafting Dewan Jones uh, unless they're ready to give up on Nicholas Petit-Friere already. I cannot see them drafting Dewan Jones specifically, but I do want to talk about some of the other players at the Senior Bowl, specifically the offensive tackles and the interior linemen. Uh, Again, we're talking about O-line. Titans need a whole bunch of them. So let's get into it. Um, At offensive tackle, Jalen Duncan is a guy out of Maryland I'll be watching closely. I thought throughout the early portion of this season, he played like a first-round selection. Unfortunately, his play started tailing off towards the end of the year. He's now seen as, you know, maybe he's a second-round guy, a third-round guy. Well, he's going to have a chance to elevate his draft stock in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He's probably the best athlete out of, of any of the tackles at the Senior Bowl. He certainly has the build of a left tackle, the makeup of a franchise left tackle, but you're going to have to see that consistency. He really struggled against Ohio State earlier this year. That's the game everyone's putting under a microscope and saying, well, this guy's no longer a first-round tackle. Well, he has a chance, I think, to rehabilitate his reputation at the Senior Bowl. There are several other tackles that have caught my attention. Of course, I already talked about Dewan Jones. So with Dewan Jones and Jalen Duncan down, I'll go to a couple of small schoolers. Uh, Nick Saldaveri out of Old Dominion, certainly a sleeper. I cannot wait to see him in Mobile. I thought his tape was outstanding. Uh, at Old Dominion, certainly a, a, an athletic guy, moves incredibly well, really good in pass protection. He, I, I got to talk to him last week. Says he loves run blocking more than anything, but when you turn the tape on, I was especially impressed with him as a pass protector. Now, playing in Old Dominion means he didn't get to go against top competition on a weekly basis. So how he handles these one-on-one pass rushing reps at the Senior Bowl is going to be so important to determining is he a second round pick, a third round pick, or if he struggles, he might be a guy that gets into the early day three range, round four or five. But I really like what I saw from tape on Nick Saldaveri. And there are a couple of other guys. Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma, I think, has a chance to show something. Really great athletic build. I just thought he was far too inconsistent on tape. So I want to see Wanya Morris take that next step at the Senior Bowl. And the last, ta- or sorry, two more tackles I want to talk about. Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse, I thought played some really good football this year. And Darnell Wright, if you're a Titans fan that also happens to double as a Tennessee Volunteers fan, you'll be familiar with Darnell Wright. Has played both left tackle and right tackle throughout his tenor in Tennessee. More right tackle than left, so I, I, and I do think he's more of a, a, t- a right tackle than a left tackle, but you do like that he's experienced at both positions. They'll get a chance to observe him at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to throw it back to you before I get into the interior offensive linemen. Lots of offensive tackles to keep your eye on here at Mobile. Nice. Yeah, I think you can keep going because I'm not familiar with these prospects yet. <laughs> my uh, my scouting process hasn't started. Uh, maybe like any other interior guys that you're that you're looking out for. Yeah, there are a couple. Um, and a couple of them have something in common that I'm really interesting from a Titans perspective that I want to analyze. The two that I'll throw out are are Steve Avila from TCU. And, uh, and Osiris Torrance from Florida. These are two guards, by the way. They're both guards. 
What I'm interested in seeing here is, uh, I've seen a lot of Titans fans, a lot of Titans analysts talk about them on Twitter, Osiris, Torrance, Steve Avila, where my analysis differs a little on them. Is that, and this, of course, this goes back to the offensive coordinator hire in Tennessee. This will matter. I didn't see either player as an ideal fit in a zone-based blocking system. I thought they're both absolute dogs, maulers, road graders in the run game that better fit a gap blocking scheme. So the Titans will have a chance to analyze: Do they fit our offense? That may depend on what offense the dire- what sorry what direction the offense is going in. If they're going to switch up this scheme, hire Eric Bieniemy, hire uh, Matt Nagy, who I believe are more well versed in the, you know sort of this West Coast vertical spread um, offenses, or do they go with more of a gap power scheme? That's what I think Steve Avila and uh, I know Sirens Torrance fit. It's that power uh, running scheme, but. When I spoke to Steve Avila recently, that was the first thing he said. I, I said, do you see yourself playing in a gap scheme? He said, well, I'm going to Mobile to prove that I can play in any scheme. I know, and he, he started chuckling. He goes, I'm well aware that people are sort of boxing me into a gap power scheme. I don't believe that's the case. I think I could play in a zone-based scheme. I'm going to show off my athletic ability in Mobile and show that I could fit any scheme. That's what I'm watching with those two prospects. Are they fits for the Tennessee Titans if they keep moving forward with a zone-blocking scheme? We talked about Ben Jones, a lot of talk in, in Titans land. You're worried about him potentially retiring after going through a couple of concussions this year. The best center prospect in the draft is at the Senior Bowl. His name is John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Certainly curious to see how he performs. Titans will get a good chance to talk to him down there. You got a couple other centers too. Jared Patterson from Notre Dame. I'm going to butcher the name. I apologize. Olu Oluwatemi out of Michigan. I actually think I might have pronounced that correctly. Uh, are two other center prospects at the Senior Bowl. They're more day three guys, but I am curious to see how they perform. Certainly, you could draft a, a center in, on, on day three and find success there. One final guard I want to highlight before I move on to another position is Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. Titans fans are not going to like me saying this, but uh, North Dakota State might ring a few bells, right, with Dylan Raiden. <laughs> Titans drafted one recently. The interesting thing about Cody Mock is he's, in my opinion, going to be a tackle-to-guard convert in the mm-hmm. NFL where we didn't expect that to be the case. At least I, you did. You expected Dylan Reyes to play guard. <laughs> you could rub it in my face, go back to last year's episode where we used to have those arguments. I always thought Dylan Reyes was a tackle. Cody Mock, it's a little different where I think most teams are immediately going to project him to guard because of some uh, arm length limitations I expect we'll hear about over these next few days. I think he's not going, going to uh, meet that threshold for arm length most teams have. Um, but this is a guy that I really liked on tape. He was dominant at left tackle for North Dakota State. Well, now you get to see him play a little guard at the Senior Bowl, see what that transition is like. I'm told he'll be playing both positions um, in Mobile so teams can get an extended look at him uh, in both roles. He obviously thinks he can play tackle. I certainly don't blame him. Everyone wants to play tackle if you can. He was very good at it on tape this year. But again, you talk about the small school competition, right? What's he going to look like now that he's going to be going up against pass rushers, one-on-one reps from the SEC, the AC, all, all these guys coming from, there are guys from Ohio State. There are guys from Clemson. Uh, there are guys from Notre Dame at the Senior Bowl, right? KJ Henry, uh, Zach Harrison, Isaiah Foskey. So he's going to get some great one. Will McDonald on Iowa State's a good pass rusher. So he's going to get a lot of good pass rushing reps here at the Senior Bowl. Those are, I don't know how many I ran through there, five, six, or seven um, uh, offensive line prospects that I'm especially keeping my eye on in Mobile. Nice. That's a great list there of guys that Titans cans can keep track of. Let's talk about another position here. And I think we, we might finish on this because this episode is starting to run a little long. But the other big weakness I feel like that Titans fans are looking for, wide receivers. This is not maybe the best draft. We just covered offensive linemen. 
this is not maybe the best draft for offensive linemen and wide receivers, at least in terms of like first round elite talent. Maybe there's some gems you could find throughout the the, the draft later on. But as we look at the wide receiver position as the Titans try to reload and and add more playmakers there, who are some guys they can watch this week in Mobile to, to maybe uh, keep their eye on? Yeah, it's funny you said that, because even, even if this episode wasn't running long, I, I thought wide receiver is a good place to end here, because I do think that the Titans' biggest needs are uh, tackle, interior offensive line, and wide receiver. So those are really the three positions you should be focused on uh, as a Titans fan at the Senior Bowl. Uh, the first guy that comes to mind is the you know the, the best receiver in Mobile, or what we expect to be the best receiver, is Rasheed Rice out of SMU. Uh, this guy projects as more of a late first round, early second round pick. Um, but I do think the Titans are going to have their eyes on him because he is that big-bodied, dominant boundary playmaker at SMU. What I think I'm really curious, to, and we might not know this, but where Rasheed Rice has to check boxes for me at the Senior Bowl is running a full route tree and picking up NFL offenses. Jim Nagy had tweeted on Monday, and he's right. Of course, all 32 teams will be meeting with every prospect at the Senior Bowl. They have time slots allotted. I think it's about 15 minutes per prospect. They'll all they'll get to meet with all of them. When the Titans get Rasheed Rice in the interview room, I expect them to talk about offense, kind of pick his brain, because that SMU offense, let's be honest, it's a little gimmicky. They don't require their receivers to run the full route tree. We've seen a lot of receivers come out of there. Okay, Cortland Sutton lived up to the hype. A couple of day three guys that didn't pan out Quincy Prochet. I think Trey Quinn was another one. Uh, our, our buddy Robert Greenlaw is a huge fan, a fan of Trey Quinn. And then I think of Danny Gray. The book's still out on Danny Gray, but he was a third round pick this past year of the San Francisco 49ers where Rand Carthon worked last year. Uh, Danny Gray had one catch this year as a rookie. Of course, he joined the loaded uh, room there in San Francisco with, with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and, and even Jawan Jennings, who I really like. But I think um, there's a bit of an acclimation period for these SMU receivers to the NFL. I think you have to find out how steep that's going to be for Rasheed Rice at the Senior Bowl. But there are other guys here. Trey Tucker uh, from Cincinnati, a speedy slot receiver, speed for days. Ronnie Bell out of Michigan is a guy that I think is a bit underrated. Doesn't have a standout athletic profile, but is just a really technically advanced uh uh, sound number three receiver who also played a lot of special teams and I think can return punts and kicks at the next level. Mike Vrabel talked about the need for speed uh, recently and, and this team getting faster. You've got a couple of those guys here. Nathaniel Dell out of Houston is a guy that I'm predicting um, will have a clip go viral at the Senior Bowl because he's going to take the top off somebody, get behind them, make a big vertical grab. There are lots of these kinds, though. Trey Palmer from Nebraska is a guy that's got speed for days. I'm certainly excited to see him there throughout practice. Another uh, Two more guys I'll finish with here is Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. I hate to make this comparison because there's a bit of a – you're going to accuse me of helmet scouting, but he reminds me a little bit of Alan Lazard, who came out of Iowa State a few years ago. Uh, now, he went undrafted, Alan Lazard. Xavier Hutchins is not going to go undrafted. I think he's a second or third round pick. More athletically uh, gifted than Alan Lazard was, which is why Lazard um, fell as far as he did. But Hutchinson is that, where I say Lazard, he's that big-bodied vertical threat that made a lot of plays down the field for that Iowa State offense. And I think you've seen Alan Lazard do some of that in Green Bay. 10 catches for 154 yards against Texas last year. I remember it very <laughs> you well. <laughs> You're, you know him very well, right? He, he led, uh, led to some misery for you on that afternoon. The last, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm cursing at myself for not knowing exactly how to pronounce it. I can't remember now. I spoke to him recently, so I'm even more embarrassed. But a receiver you certainly have to watch is the kid out of Princeton. He's been making his rounds on Titans Twitter. I think Wes uh, uh, from Broadway Sports tweeted about him. Andre uh, Isavis, Isavis, something along those lines, out of Princeton. Um, 
this guy has a chance to be this year's Christian Watson. And I say that, be, and, I, and look, I think Christian, I don't know that he's going to elevate his stock as much as Christian Watson did. I would never predict that in all honesty, after seeing what Christian Watson did at the senior bowl, but very similar where he's a height, weight, sorry, height, weight, speed prospect, just like Watson was coming out of North Dakota state. You had to answer the small school competitions. This is even smaller school uh, questions. He's got to answer coming out of Princeton. Um, but the speed is, out of this world, the height, the weight, the frame is out of this world. If he can go here to Mobile and win these one-on-one reps with these big school cornerbacks, get behind them, create big passing plays, this kid probably can get into the second round conversation. So really excited to see him in Mobile. He's pro- He has as much to gain of any prospect at the Senior Bowl because of how exciting the athletic profile is but also pairing that with how large the small school competition question is. Nice. Well, that I think is a great run through of some prospects for Titans fans to keep an eye on this week. So the Senior Bowl game will take place this Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it on NFL Network. So make sure you're tuned in and paying attention to these names and anyone else that stands out. We'll be back next week to talk about some guys that stand out. I doubt we will have any updates on the offensive coordinator search. So we'll... uh, Stay tuned for that, but we'll probably just be in the same place next week because until the Chiefs are eliminated from the, the NFL or win the Super Bowl, which is the only two options now, maybe um, maybe the Titans will hire somebody, but I don't think it's going to happen before then. So anything else we need to touch on this episode before we get out of here? I think that does it. Some good Senior Bowl preview. I really enjoyed the roster construction discussion uh, with those two teams and how it could relate to the Titans. Good uh, discussion about these head coaches and then certainly some Senior Bowl pro- prospects for, for fans to monitor. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for us here at the Music City Audible. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. And remember to follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room and check out BroadwaySportsMedia.com where you can become a Broadway insider. Yeah, become a Broadway insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code insider to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code annual uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F Words Pod, uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And check out all the other podcasts and content that Broadway Sports has to offer. All right. We will be back next week. Like I said, until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.